So Tyler, I watched a movie last night called Prey. Have you heard of this movie? No, is this P-R-E-Y or P-R-A-Y? P-R-E-Y, and it is a prequel to the uh, Predator series. Oh. And I, I like Predator. I like Alien versus Predator. I liked all that stuff. Um, yeah. But this one takes place in the North Great Plains in the early 1700s. Uh, it's on Hulu, actually. That's I watched it on that. But uh, it's this... It, it basically kind of covers a predator showing up on the planet then and sort of hunting and figuring out what's going on with this Native American tribe, um, Comanche uh, tribe. And I got a lot of vibes from this latest episode of uh, American Horror Stories, Milkmaids, because it's mm-hmm. also in the 1700s, a little bit later, but... One of my critiques, so Prey, it was fine. I liked it, you know, whatever. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, The dialogue and the conversation that these people are having in the 1700s just felt so um, out of sorts and not anachronistic. Uh, Like the the, the, uh, phrases they use and the terminology and how they interacted with each other just seems so not how things, not that I know, but... Um, also, they were speaking English in the movie, which was kind of weird, but then they would use some terms. I, it, I don't know. It was okay. And I got a little bit of those vibes in Milkmaids is why I bring it up. You know, it's funny because I also watched kind of a period horror uh, recently, I think within the past week, uh, which was a good tee up to Milkmaids. Uh, the one I watched was one called Apostle, which mm-hmm. is on Netflix. Have you seen that one? I have not, but I've seen it pop up as a recommended. Did you like it? Okay, it's got Michael Sheen, who you know from mm-hmm. Good Omens. You know him from Frost Nixon. Um, and uh, what was the other one that he did about? Masters of Sex, I think, is one of the ones he's mainly known for. But he's mm-hmm. kind of an English actor. You've seen a bunch of different stuff. And then it has Dan Stevens, who is... Down Abbey. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Um, also, what was that other show that was uh, like kind of a Marvel spinoff, but it was on FX, I think. Legion. He was mm. he was very good in Legion too, but he's the main character in this. But anyway, it's like this fundamentalist religious group that lives on this island, but then there's like actually some supernatural aspects to it with like witches and stuff. It felt very American Horror Story. Some very gross moments too. So, um, I mean, worth watching, but intense. Um, but it is kind of fitting that we both were in that mind space leading into Milkmaids. I will say the, the accents and the period dialogue in that was excellent. So... I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Should we dive in? Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story and its companion series, American Horror Stories. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted, what's up, everyone? Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Thoroughly disgusted from that episode yet? Oh, I think I'm thoroughly disgusted, and I think really, I mean, I don't know that we've ever got such an overwhelming amount of feedback from uh, listeners (laughs) about specifically just being grossed out. (laughs) So gross. It wasn't, you know, I expect torture porn, but I don't know what this would be called, but it was disgusting. It was disgusting. I think um, one of somebody who messaged us on Facebook described it as body horror, and I feel like that is definitely a type of horror that um, 
I do not typically gravitate to. No, me neither. <laughs> uh, and that was a, a big element of it. Oh, I think it was Amy on Facebook. Yeah, so that was uh, a little much for me. I'm excited to dig into it with you. Um, before we do, a couple things I want to shit out about. Uh, first off is, as always, thanks to those of you who've been uh, passing virtual coffees our way via our um, Buy Me a Coffee page. That helps to pay our server costs from week to week. We sincerely appreciate that. Um, if you're interested in uh, chipping in, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash T-A-H-S. Um, and then, of course, as always, you can reach out to us with your questions or uh, thoughts, comments, theories uh, via email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and also uh, on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. I actually i am going to be incorporating some of our Facebook and email messages that I haven't even had a chance to respond to yet. So I'm not always cool. directly on top of responding, but we do read them and we do definitely process them. So we really appreciate y'all taking the time. Uh, a couple uh, a couple things. First one was um, someone reached out to us. I have an apologies. I don't remember off the top of my head to mention that the urban legend about mm-hmm. the um, flashing the lights from the last episode drive mm-hmm. uh, was featured in Scream Queens in the first season mm-hmm. of Scream Queens. And so that mm-hmm. could be where we um, perhaps saw it originally. Cause I think we were both like, I felt like this might've been an American horror story. Don't remember for sure. Right. So I mix them up sometimes. Cause that, yeah, Scream Queens had like coven vibes with it. So <laughs> totally, totally. So that might have been uh, why we're getting it a little bit mixed up. Also, there's been a little bit of news announced on the next season of regular American Horror Story. <gasps> oh, have you caught any of this? Uh, no, I mean a little bit, but tell me what you, what you have. It's some new cast members. Um, okay. and we don't have a theme yet, I don't believe, but we have some new cast members and some returning cast members actually. Um, and I'm going to go in order of excitement. Well, that's not true. I'll just go in random order because, you know, we can be excited about all three. First off is Patty Lupone, who mm-hmm. was the neighbor in Coven coming back. Uh, so I don't know that she's been in American Horror Story since Coven. Um, yeah, I don't think I so. Check that. But yeah, so that's one. But the bigger names are Billy Lord is going to be back again. Cool. Yeah. And Billy, Billy Lord had a pretty small role in double feature um I, f- I felt like while i enjoyed the character it was kind of superfluous the dentist so yeah she was a dentist slash tattoo artist slash i don't know owned a clothing owned a, like an Col- clothing vintage store. Clothing. yeah <laughs> and zachary quinto is coming back so that's exciting yeah that, that's big that's huge we have not seen him in a while so I'm, I'm pumped about that yeah so that'll be fun um before we dive into the milkmaids i just want to say we got an email uh from taylor who um was you know, had some interesting feedback and was coming from a little bit of an interesting perspective because she was saying, you know, I consider myself, you know, I am a Christian and I also believe in science and I felt like it's not totally, basically the TLDR of it was it's not totally fair to kind of pit, pit it against each other that way. Um, but, you know, I think it was kind of, you know, mixed feedback. Um, mm-hmm. Some parts were more realistic than others. But, you know, I mean, of course, I think that's ultimately going to be the, the response to a lot of this episode is there was not a whole lot of nuance or subtlety to it, obviously. And so I, that's why I wanted to share that up front is I felt like that kind of encompasses somewhat of the, um, I don't know, of the approach. Uh, but I'm excited to talk about it with you. So with that being yeah. said, um, before you're we looking for in, nuance in American horror stories. No, <laughs> we had touch. We've had touches we've of had, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. this episode, <laughs> not, not, too much of a touch, maybe slightest sprinkle. Before we dive in, uh, what are you drinking this fine Sunday afternoon? 
I got my classic mini Coke going this this afternoon. We're really <laughs> I excited. I need the caffeine. Yeah, yeah. We're really <laughs> excited this Sunday afternoon. I just have carbonated water. So, you know, cool. get, getting hydrated. I Neither of us are having milk. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Maybe never again. <laughs> <laughs> I did drink milk. Did you drink milk at the dining table growing up? Was that a thing? Um, It was sort of. Yeah. We were supposed to, especially at my grandparents' house. I, I don't like milk. I just felt like it was like a thing we would do where we would have a gallon of milk and I would like, I'd probably drink like three, four cups, like full Ugh. glasses of milk at dinner. It was just like, like Ew. water. That was like, I know. And now I look back on it and I'm like, that was kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, would you like to take us through the cold open, Chris? Sure. It is New England, 1757. And we have a doctor watching essentially over the death of this young woman. She's got a bunch of boils and pox on her on her face. So we've come to learn smallpox is happening uh, in the in the country. Um, and the, the dad who's played by Cody Fern, his name's Thomas, is uh, kind of overseeing this as well with his young son. I believe his name was Edward. Edward. Um, and they and he's like, is is mom going to get buried in the ditch uh, with all the other bodies? And he said, that says no that's where the poor women get buried it's so interesting that we talk about class in the beginning and then forget about it but um the rich women get buried in the cemetery uh and then we kind of cut to this other location and this woman is running the house of lazarus uh, her name is celeste she's a sex worker uh she's got kind of some markings and and markings of, of pox or po- postules <laughs> on her shoulder um, and says, you know, I know why you come here to this man who has entered and paid for her services. Um, A lot of people apparently come here to just like suck on her wounds uh, because she offers uh, the cure to the plague um, because she was anointed by St. Lazarus himself. Uh, All he needs to do is lick the pus from her wounds. (laughs) This is so disgusting. (laughs) And she like pops them out. Um, She sticks her fingers and and in her pussy fingers and puts them in her mouth after they kind of have sex a little bit. And he's disgusted by it. He, he accuses her of being an occultist. Uh, and she's like, Oh, did you just want to have sex then? Pastor Walter, shame on you. We find out this is the pastor of the town. They sort of have a little tussle and he threatens her that if he, if she speaks about this, he'll have her hanged for witchcraft. Um, and that's, that's essentially it. It's essentially it, yeah. I mean, uh, Pastor Walter is played by Seth Gable, who uh, was on such other shows as Fringe and Nip Tuck. And then Celeste is played by Julia Schlafer? Yeah, maybe just Schlafer. I don't know. But uh, she was in The Politician. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is... We have a little bit of Cody Fern here at the beginning, but really kind of the crux of the cold open is focused on the Celeste and Pastor Walter interaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple things that caught my attention here, just how bored he looks during sex, even though that's what he came there for. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah. And also how disgusted he was when he sees the wounds that she has, but also if, if, I don't know if everyone goes there to her for this fetish, um, you think he would know about that. Well, he's supposed to be new in town, you know? Oh, that's right. You're right. My bad. <laughs> uh, but, th- I mean, there's a couple relational things that I'll bring up later, too. They're like, mm, shouldn't the town know that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> does Thomas really not know that his ex-wife, like, lives on you know, the other side of town? Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yes, this is, I mean, 
really horribly disgusting here, especially when we get to the part where she was on her fingers, like feeding him, and we get like the close up of the pus. Uh, I'd be very curious to know, like, I want to talk to the props team to know, like, how did they mix up the pus? Like, what's in that stuff? Is it? Oh, God. Corn, I don't know. Cornstarch. <laughs> like, trying to theorize here. Um, it does look pretty gross, and they did a good job. They did a good job. It's it's definitely nasty. Do you have any, um, or do you have want to provide any context on like what is who is Saint Lazarus? Like, what's the relevance of that story? Sure. So Lazarus um, is from the Bible in the New Testament, and he was someone who I believe had leprosy, uh, and Jesus was going to go see him to try to heal him but didn't get there in time or or, di- or arrived late or arrived on time and Lazarus had already died and his wife or sister or something like that said you know if you had been here in time you could have healed him and Jesus is like hold my um gown uh and he goes in and says like open the tomb up and goes in and uh, and apparently after Lazarus has been dead for four days uh Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and it's one of Jesus's miracles that he performs. Um, and so Lazarus is, you know, if you ever hear that thrown around, that's where it comes from. He's the guy that Jesus brought back from the dead, according it, to the Bible. As a miracle, right. And so mm-hmm. I guess, you know, with Celeste kind of referencing the house of Lazarus and St. Lazarus in particular, the implication here is that she is able to, uh, I don't think she's actively saying she's able to raise people from the dead, but she's able to prevent the sickness from right. spreading. Right. Um, which also, I mean, smallpox was most. I'm sure most of our listeners know this already, but uh, just absolutely ravaging disease that killed. Devastating. So I mean, it's it's what wiped out such huge portions of you know Native American populations from Spanish conquistadors and those coming in, and um, you know those groups just Native groups hadn't been exposed to those germs before, and mm-hmm. absolutely annihilated the populations. But yeah, wow, what an opening! Really, really well, nasty. And a little more historical context, I, I believe smallpox was the first um, vaccine inoculation mm. that was developed by scientists and through cowpox. So this is like this has roots in history and you can't not watch this entire episode and not think of how it mirrors um, what's gone down with COVID. And so, yeah, the, the cures and the virus. I will continue to talk about that. But yeah, this, this episode the, had a lot of not not too deep under the surface social commentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the credit scene. You know, um, there's lots of milk, dead cows, stormy skies over barns. How did it uh, stack up to you? I loved it. It was, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Nothing fancy or flashy, but it worked for what the the tone it was setting. And I liked the color schematic of it. Uh, the palette was great, and it was spooky, and it could it, it left it open that it could go a lot of directions with what happens in this episode. Um, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Did you like it? I liked it as well too. Yeah, I thought uh, it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was, you know, creepy, which is what effectively mm-hmm. we wanted to be. Um, I'll also say this episode was written by Our Lady J, who mm-hmm. was a writer for Transparent and Pose, mm-hmm. and it was directed by Alonzo Alvarez Bereda, who uh, is also directing the other episode this season, Necro, which we haven't gotten to yet, mm-hmm. and was, uh, has directed on Nine One One before. So that's probably the Ryan Murphy connection. A lot of Nine One One folks. And then when Lone Star, those kind of offshoots end up coming over to do American Horror Stories, I notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's dive into the meat of the episode here, right? Um, we open after the credits on the church where Pastor Walter's back in his element after, you know, having visited Celeste. 
Um, and we didn't even, I don't even know that we mentioned at the end of it that like he, he vomited and then smacked her in the face. Like he's just a, I mean, from the beginning, shitty dude. Uh, but it's a funeral for Thomas's wife. And, you know, he's giving a sermon. The body's up there up front when Celeste bursts in to call Walter a false prophet. Uh, you know, probably not the savviest approach given kind of the already built in, it sounds like distrust of milkmaids, distrust of sex workers, distrust of women in general. Um, it was, you know, unlikely she was going to be able to win the audience over from the pastor, but she was coming in saying she had some evidence of, you know, him seeking her out and he's not the religious icon they should be looking to. But the crowd is not one over. Um, and what she did she think, yeah, what did she think was going to happen? I, like, I mean, I, I guess she was, you know, just hoping. She really to, thinks she's going to turn the congregation by bursting in at a funeral. You know, I think that she thinks she's she thinks she's special, right? She thinks yeah, that she's like true. powered by Lazarus, and he's going to protect her or something like that. Well, he sure doesn't. Um, and we end up getting—I don't know. There's definitely some like Salem witch trial vibes, which I think is you know the fact that it's taking place in New England right. is, is not coincidental in that regard. Um, and Walter really turns the congregation against her quite quickly. As I said, she gets hit in the face with a Bible, like pretty hard. Uh, and then she gets shoved down the stairs and we get that like absolutely Snap. like yeah. disgusting close up of her, like the bone bursting out of the side of her arm, which was that it was like a brutal break too. like, it, I don't know how that happened from that fall, but I mean, yikes. And she's using that arm again by the end of the episode too. <laughs> Yep. Oh uh, god. But it was it was nasty. I mean, if you're somebody who like the like those kind of grow I mean, I don't know, would you put like saw in like the body horror camp? I'm trying to think of like what the most emblematic like classic horror I put, would be. I mean, parts of it maybe. I I put that more in torture porn. Yeah. Like hostile and yeah, those types of films. Right. Um I mean, it's definitely gross and if like that's, you know, it's successful in that convention, I guess. Um, but yeah, poor Celeste is what we're left feeling. And obviously we are pretty quickly acquainted to like the mob mentality of 17, whatever, New England and the church and the church. Uh, Thomas and Walter end up having this private convo where Walter, I mean, that guy's just very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, he's got some, uh, he's got a lot of issues clearly, but he's already like chastising Thomas for challenging his authority during the funeral. Even though Thomas, I mean, it was his wife was. You you could just sense like Walter preparing to turn the town on Thomas at any given moment as well, right? He's just like he's a shitty guy. I think we we've already said that it becomes clear. I think the actor Seth um Seth I yeah. say his name was yeah um Seth Gable. I thought does a I think he does a very good job of making you dislike this pastor like very quickly and not in a like I don't know what was your take on his on his kind of these first moments of his performance. <laughs> He seems to be, I agree. I think he sells a character as kind of slimy and creepy and, you know, a hypocrite. Um, he also feels like he's acting in a different film than some of the other people sometimes. Um, you know, our, our milkmaids, our Celeste and um, Delilah later, they seem, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a period piece at times, but um, the pastor and the actor Seth, is always in a kind of like a hammy over the top period piece, which is great because that's what American Horror Story is. But he's he's up there. He's selling it. 
I liked that actually. I mean, we'll talk about yeah. it more at the end. I to me, I feel like he might have been. I mean, I I enjoy Cody Fern. Obviously, I felt like this yeah. particular character was a little like I don't want to say a little dull, frankly, for like the kind of character I want to see from him after as much fun as we have with him and Farrell. But I mm-hmm. felt like this. I felt like the pastor character, even though I hated him, I thought like I appreciated the over the topness of it because it felt yeah, it felt um, it felt representative of the period in that yep. way. Yep. Uh, so at this kind of, you know, behind closed doors meeting, Thomas reveals he's learned this new ritual that wards off the smallpox, um, you know, and, and we kind of go through this whole uh, little flash to it, which is great. We, he had heard that some people in the nearby town were digging up bodies in the belief that smallpox came from basically the dead rising at night to eat the living like zombies. And mm-hmm. so they dug up the bodies of those who had died from the disease to try to, I guess, study them or see what was going on, see if they could prove out this theory. And when they dug up the bodies, the people had not decomposed hardly at all. And uh, so what they did is they cut out their hearts and burned them in this kind of ritual to, I I mean, I guess they must have the belief that these zombies won't come back if they cut the hearts out, right? And that the disease stopped spreading after this happened. So Thomas's theory is he doesn't want his wife rising from the dead to come eat them. I guess. And so uh, he wants him and Pastor Walter to dig up his wife and to, well, not even dig her. She isn't buried yet. They want to do it before she gets buried. Cut out the heart and burn it. It's uh, amazing. Like I, how he just so quickly jumps on board with this. Um, but also I'm kind of bummed. Like, don't promise me zombies and tease me with that and don't, sh- and not show me any. I, I was like, Oh, here we go. This is, this is taking on another twist, but then we never go there. I know that would have that could have been kind of fun, bummer. fun tease. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, like that, the kind like from like Thriller or, or like the, um, not The Walking Dead, sorry, um, Night of the Living Dead, where they actually just like it's not a virus or disease; they just literally come back to life and eat you. <laughs> That's cool, old school yeah. Romero. Yeah, I mean, we could that could have been a good illusion. I mean, we're already you know playing, I don't know, in a different era. I, we haven't really done like zombies in a different time period would be kind of fun. I feel like it's always through mm-hmm. the modern ones. Um, this is also the first time that we see Edward being his little peeping Tom self looking through the window to hear about what the plan is. Um, I have to say that I also, the other thing I appreciated about the actor who played Walter is just, he always had this like permanent sneer on his face. His expressions were really good, even if they were over the top. He just has yeah. this absolutely disgusted look, um, as they're like saying the prayer to cut out the heart. And then uh, yeah, basically, uh, Thomas, doesn't now have it in him to cut out his wife's own heart. So the pastor has to step in, clearly has an appetite for violence, which we already hinted at, but the way he just unhesitatingly drives the knife into the chest with both hands. Um, and that's when he like begins to ask like, well, if you're already infected with it, what if we just like, Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> you okay over there? <laughs> you just scared the shit out of me. God, oh my God! I didn't know she was behind me. Sorry, you're I had right. the baby monitor in here, and because anyway, oh my God, it scared me. You're in horror mode. <laughs> oh, I sorry, jumpy. Apologies. Well, no, I was just gonna say. So we basically we know at this point Walter thinks he has smallpox because he ate the pustule from Celeste. Ugh. So Ugh. it doesn't do him any good to not get it later. He wants to figure out if he can do it with the maximal to not get it now. And it, he does, he cares less about keeping it from spreading than he does about getting rid of it himself. So they eat, he, he like bites into uh, the wife's heart like it's an apple. 
And then mm-hmm. really kind of urges it over to Thomas too, telling him to think of his son. So Thomas is a little bit more refined. Um, he like fries it up with some other meats and it's like serves it up as organ meats, you know, like they probably ate a fair amount of back in those days. Um, <clears throat> when we get a knock on the door and that's when we meet Delilah. Uh, tell us a little bit about who Delilah is and like what the rumors already are about her. Yeah, Delilah is a milkmaid, so she delivers the milk <clears throat> to uh, the Thomas's house in, in particular here. She is rumored to dance with the devil under the moonlight, which is code for a witch, uh, essentially. And um, she's a fairly progressive woman. She doesn't want to get married. She, you know, she seems very smart, uh, very kind, um, and, you know, very courteous and polite, but... but independent let's say um and thomas is kind of cool with this too he's like and for, seemingly progressive uh for saying cool i like that you do what you what you do where most people would like shun delilah right well in the, i mean you know she's got the um elements of uh this kind of witch claim of the period which is yeah she's she's not married and she's smart. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. independent women who can think for themselves must be a witch, right? That's where the mind goes mm-hmm. in this period of time. Um, did you ever think that Delilah really was a witch at all? Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that we were getting teased, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, New England, 1700s, there's got to be some a witch in here. Yeah, instead we just kind of get the Cotton Mather witch vibe, of, like crucible type stuff without actually... Mm-hmm. I mean, I was surprised they didn't actually straight out of her use that to kill her by claiming she was a witch. I thought that was coming at least. Even if we didn't actually yeah. see her have witch powers, that was going to be the, you know, pretense to kill her potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, this is where we get, uh, and then, and then she leaves. And like you said, Thomas and Delilah seem to have some rapport. So it's like, well, maybe they'll get together. Who knows? Um, but then we see Edward say this line at, asking about Delilah after this, where he says like, Pastor Walter says to never trust a milkmaid. Uh, there's nothing so unclean as a woman who lives with beasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this line obviously comes back later. It's not clear to us. I feel like one thing I wish we'd seen a little bit more of is like, if Edward is such like a fundamentalist and like really believes in Pastor Walter, I don't feel like you really get a sense of that till the end. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you get, he says this line, but like you don't really get a sense of the kid being super overly devoted. At least I didn't. I, I, don't, I don't know if you felt that way. I agree. Um, you know, the twist at the end, it's, it, it felt unearned. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see enough of the seeds planted that this kid was really enveloped in the cultish uh, beliefs of the church. Right. I mean, maybe he, he lost his mom and his sister, so he's also like going through grief and depression probably, and that might be an influence. But again, we don't really see that. He's just kind of creepy and peeks in on people. Right. Now, Delilah returns to her barn, and we should say Delilah's played by the actress Addison Timlin, who uh, hasn't done too much other, at least nothing else I've seen previously, but I thought she did a good job here. Um, and uh, her cow is named Cammy, which I thought was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a cough in the barn, and we see that Celeste has been hiding in her barn. I don't know. I guess she couldn't go back to her own home because Pastor Walter was going to have her hanged if she's still there. She's got her horrible broken arm. Um, and this is where I wrote my notes. Delilah and Celeste don't know each other. How big is this town? Like, literally, there was like seventeen people in the church. <laughs> yeah, it's like it wasn't this the era where you know everybody's business all the time? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently they don't. Uh, I think at one point we hear that like Celeste is supposed to be kind of new in town. Maybe I, I maybe I'm making that up in my head. I don't know. But uh, regardless, they don't know each other. 
And uh, so Delilah is going to help take care of Celeste and, like, you know, snaps that bone back into place with a good old piece of wood. Ooh. Delilah also shows her a new book because um, all Celeste has ever read is the Bible. And this new book is The Memoirs of Fanny Hill. Did you look this book up? I didn't. Did you? I did. So it's called uh, Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure, popularly known as Fanny Hill. It was an erotic novel by the English novelist John Cleland, first published in London in 1748. Uh, and it is considered the first original English prose pornography and the first pornography to use the form of the novel. So it was early, early porn. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So she gave her porn. She gave her. She gave. She gave her <laughs> for that porn. era. Yeah, uh, some uh, secret. And it's apparently, well, I think I also saw that it was like the most banned book in history, or one of them. So, I don't know. I'm I believe that. Kind of curious, now. Got to say, kind of curious. Yeah. Didn't read that in my, uh, you know, English classes in college. <laughs> uh, and at this point, too, Celeste reveals that Pastor Walters, the one who broke her arm, although I, I kind of remember the whole mob pushing her down the stairs. I don't know. If yeah. It was, it was, I guess, Pastor Walters. He incited the mob. Exactly. Exactly. And I think he would have done it himself, too, if he was closer. You know, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, pretty violent dude. Um, and he threatened to kill her. And then immediately we start to see and get the sense that Delilah and Celeste have some romantic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, meanwhile, Thomas is giving Edward a lesson in living with loss. Um, and they're out in the cemetery hanging out. Everyone's, um, I, I, I think they're putting some flowers on the grave of not, I think it's not the grave of Thomas's wife. It's one of the, the sisters of oh, Edward, okay. I believe. Um, but I guess all the graves are clustered together. Right. So anyway, yeah, but Pastor Walter's off somewhere else, you, you know, you know, attending to the grave of someone else because a lot of people are dying in the town right now because of the whole smallplex and everything. But he seems rejuvenated by eating the heart. Now, is it placebo effect or real? We don't we don't know, but he's like giddy about it. So giddy, in fact, that he's already hacked out another heart. Um, and he's snacking on it. Just snacking on it. Who knows how many hearts he's had about, you know, by this time. I don't know. He goes full army hammer. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, <laughs> did you say full army hammer? meanwhile thomas hasn't been to church in a while we also find out he's he's like been having it's been it's been haunting him that he ate his wife's heart after all this and he's seems pretty uh seems to feel like cannibalism is is against the message of the bible and pastor walter's like you know what uh this is this is god's will basically he's using religion to justify the kind of i don't know cannibalism that thomas has seemed to be seems to be on the fence about right yep Right. And so I guess, uh, you know, I guess Pastor Walter's momentum is building for like the secret to getting rid of this is everybody to eat some hearts. So in church soon after, Pastor Walter tells Thomas's that story from the next town over again, as if he's the one who heard it, uh, with a twist that the town ate the hearts instead of just burned them. And he wants all the townspeople to want to <laughs> dig up the bodies and eat the hearts. And they're pretty quickly on board, so they're all going to run out and grab shovels and plant us to meet at the graveyard and dig up all the bodies. Back in the Ugh. yeah, back in the barn, we start to get to uh, some more of the real nasty pustule stuff. Celeste is checking her pustules in a mirror and popping them. I think we even have one like glance off the camera at one point. Ugh. Ah. And, God, I wanted this to be over. And Dolores <laughs> is pretty seems... like uh, Dolores Delilah. 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 <laughs> Um, Delilah's pretty surprised when she sees this and it's like, you didn't tell me you had smallpox. (laughs) 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 And of course, Celeste was like, well, they're not contagious. I survived a lot of time. And then we 
get the um, a little bit of her backstory here that leads up to the present to a certain degree. Um, you know, she was a milkmaid previously, had had the boils for a long time, and just hid them because she wasn't sick or didn't seem to be contagious. Would hide them with a corset, which seems very uncomfortable. I mean, can only Ugh, imagine yeah. a corset's uncomfortable enough, let alone pressed right. against bulging pustules. But ugh. Um, meets a man who gets her pregnant, and then as she gets more and more pregnant, she's unable to hide her pustules. Her husband um, is disgusted. She gives birth, and the guy leaves with with her child, and she's cast out. Um, at this point, did you think we had a sense of who her husband was? Did you make this connection earlier on? I I I did not, but I assumed that we'd figure it out. Um, I did not think it would be Edward as her son, but I thought maybe the pastor or or well, he didn't really recognize her either. But somebody, yes, yeah. Uh, and then we learned that her her wounds became a fetish just because she became a sex worker, which is. I mean, pretty for the, for like the first guy to want to do this, considering how contagious smallpox is, is like one hell of a risk to just jump in. And I mean, disgusting a and like very risky b. But who knows? Um, and then men started to feast on her, and none of them ever got sick. And I think she says something like, "Love can save us from anything." Mm-hmm. And this is when Delilah kind of counters her with the science perspective love doesn't heal only science can do that she wants to scientifically use less postules to create a vaccine and wants to dig into this i think uh, celeste is i don't know that she's offended but it's more that she's i guess disappointed because she liked the idea of feeling special and she feels like by talking about you know her yeah. postules being scientifically provable and not just a miracle from saint lazarus that it makes her less special um, and I mean, th- this is our this is the whole theme of this science versus faith um, episode. Mm-hmm. And as they kind of have a back and forth, uh, it's about this time that Delilah also reveals that, that she is gay. Um, and so that's another reason why she's, you know, an independent woman is because obviously that's not wholly accepted at this period in time. It reminds me a little bit of, do you remember that series? I don't um Was it Fear Street that was came out mm-hmm. last year? And it's like... It's the third one, right? That takes place way back in like the yeah. 1700s or something. And right. Yeah. Similarly, the couples, yeah. the girls are found out to be gay and are kind of hunted down by the little town. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That, that was a great series. I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Delilah commits to eating from the postules to basically, I guess, prove her love for Celeste and also that she still thinks she's special. Just and, stop. Um, Just stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so gross. And they begin making out and stuff. At this point also, Del- Edward's also there spying on Creeping. her. Apparently he just, his little peeping Tom, goes around and peeps on everybody. So, not a big fan of Edward at this point either. He just seems kind of gross. I don't know. Um, and then we get a little bit of Delilah's backstory soon after. We learn that she had had boils at one point, but recovered. And that... Mm-hmm. This is where we lead into the whole discussion about blood in the milk, and they have discussion about cowpox. Now, you said you actually read up, and this is a real part of the discovery. When was the smallpox vaccine really found? It was later on, right? It- 1798, okay. I believe, is when they first so not too far started yeah. developing the vaccine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it came- also, the guy who the guy who uh, invented the vaccine, his name was Edward. So that might be a reference to the son. That is interesting. Maybe um, maybe that is what we were hinting at, although it didn't seem like he was really on board for moving forward the vaccine by the end of this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that. So 
the I mean, before, moving on, we've clearly like set the lines on who's doing what here, right? We have we've got um, Delilah, who represents the scientist, who speaks way too educated uh, on science for a milkmaid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she uh, in sort of the demonizing of a, of a scientist in the sense of like, I want to take the subject and exploit it to, yes, do like do a bigger service to, to the world and the community. But, you know, without really thinking about what you're doing to the person or the, the subject that is carrying this um, uh, uh, science that can create the inoculation for the rest of the world. And then you have. Um, you know, the pastor uh, who obviously represents religion and some other maybe significant political figures, perhaps um, perpetuating these crazy rumors uh, that have no sound science in them and theories to the masses. Um, and it reminded me of, you know, during COVID, people being told to get ivermectin uh, or injecting hydroxychloroquine and all, all the all the stuff that was not ever shown to be effective in treatment of uh covid uh i i just that's the the lines are are clear here oh i mean absolutely we're 100 supposed to make that that connection right and um you know i think it's important to say i mean it's, it's important to make clear a couple things here so delilah and celeste both had cowpox not smallpox and that was the big difference right and it's by mm-hmm. getting infected with cowpox you Develop will become immunity. immune to smallpox um so another thing we should call out here too, which I don't like, we don't really ever explicitly get told this, but you kind of figure it out is so from Walter, Walter, by the time he eats the heart of Thomas's wife, he's already immune to smallpox because he had, he drank from the cowpox, right? So he's theoretically inoculated from cowpox. So Edward at this point would not be inoculated yet. Right. And so the whole rejuvenation that Walter's feeling is from, drinking of the cowpox pustules not from the heart probably yeah that's kind of what i figured well and so we had this scene in the graveyard right where everyone's digging up the bodies to start munching on the hearts and theoretically they're all doing it at the moment i really f- they're literally doing it in the field or in the cemetery like they're not even it's also funny that they go to the um cemetery to dig up the rich people and eat their hearts as opposed to going to the pit <laughs> yeah well you know yeah, the <laughs> the rich uh those those hearts are fortified with fine cheese and fats and all that kind of make it a little bit tastier i guess yeah um but i I, at this point in time i I always thought what was coming was that everybody who went to like all the the constituents who went to go dig up the hearts they were all going to get smallpox and die because they're not Mm -hmm. really getting it and we never get that scene which i felt like was kind of missing for there's no payoff in that i agree it's kind of like if the whole moral of it is going to be people are going to like jump on a kind of false prophet who's you know talking you through some snake oil i don't feel like we ever ultimately saw that payoff and it was it was because we had too many balls we were juggling here um and we'll get to the the one at the end that i i don't know i felt like was just unnecessary but in the graveyard uh you know i thought we had some pretty i think part of my favorite cinema what is what the best cinematography I think of this episode came in some of these graveyard scenes where like the yeah. camera's kind of swirling and we see people yeah. digging up the bodies and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that too. Also, what did you make of the conversation uh, ahead of this between Delilah and Edward um, when she comes in to like make him drink the milk? And I mean, he's supposed to be, I guess, the voice for the kind of obstinate 
you know, person who only believes in religion. He says, I don't care if I get the disease, I'm strong. Only the weak will die. It's the natural order of things. I mean, this is just teeing up like his final move at the end. So it makes sense. I think um, it, it's weird because I never got the sense that he was so sucked into the ideology that the that the pastor's pushing. He's just exactly. kind of around. Right. And I mean, I guess he is absorbing it, but I would have liked to have seen him be yeah. a little bit more like, engaged with it. Yeah. Maybe like he, he always carries around like a, I don't know, a crucifix in his hand or so. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like a, even a Bible, just like something to like make him show that like, I think that the, I would have liked if they'd shown to your point earlier, like maybe he really hangs on to religion because of his mom and sisters dying. I would have liked mm-hmm. to have seen that connection a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Delilah runs to the graveyard at this point after learning about what's happening from Edward. And we get a couple things here. First of all, we learn why the bodies aren't decomposing. It's another scientific thing. It's because... That she just knows. <laughs> right. It's because the... like The, the water table's low and the salt in the soil. Right. So it's like, basically, it's like uh, preserving. preserving the bodies like yeah. uh, with the salt. Also, I felt at this point, I mean, Walter comes over and smacks her in the head and knocks her out. Uh, Thomas, for being relatively progressive, doesn't do jack shit to He's stop just, this. He just stands there. And at this point, I was like, I don't know. I, I started to dislike Thomas a little bit at this point in time. His like, character does not make sense. Uh, he's so confusing. Cody Fern's fantastic. I think he, like, he, he's acting in a different class and a different movie, too, at times, because he's really good um and not as hammy but this his character in this thomas was just all over the place yeah thomas was not a great i I feel bad for him because i don't feel like thomas was a great character and the behavior is a little bit all over the place uh walter decides he's going to leave everybody to dig up the graveyard while he goes to kill celeste and that's when we learn that celeste is edward's real mother yeah um because I I think that Thomas like blocks the barn and everything. I I, I mean, it's confusing to me how this connection wasn't made. It, like, it, you know, this is where the, the the episode really kind of turned for me, and I was just it was just kind of like making all these things happen that don't seem necessary or earned. Like, does does Celeste really need to be the mother of? Do we need that relationship to make this impactful, or do we just need him to die in a certain way i don't know well and well you know thomas doesn't seem to care too much when she gets her arm brutally snapped which back then would probably kill most people yeah um, good point <laughs> but at this point he's you know gonna prevent walter from going to the barn and then walter stabs him right in the gut seems like pretty mm-hmm. deep cut yeah um, he's gone mm-hmm. but uh, you know we have this scene where celeste thinks delilah's coming back i think calls, like calls her love or something but it turns out to be Walter, who comes at her with the knife and begins to rape her Slash. first. Um, yeah. I Again, what the fuck is going on? Why do we need a, a attempted rape in this now? Just uh, Sexual assault's a hard issue for anyone, I think, to watch in a film or a horror movie. Um, but that this just felt unnecessary. I felt like we were kind of being cycled through different kinds of disgusting in this episode. Yeah. And that, this is a, like a different kind of version of that, right? Yeah. Um, Not saying that it wouldn't happen, but, or couldn't happen, or didn't, and it didn't historically happen, especially with sex workers. Um, yeah. You know. Oh, I, I think it's very historically accurate. It's just, it was yeah. a lot, this episode was a lot to take as a viewer, I feel. We already hate the dude. We don't, you know, we're not rooting for him. We don't, you know, I don't know if what adding him as a sexual assault, uh, assaulter makes a difference in this at this point, but right. Delilah, you know, runs in, stabs him in the back. Then I think Celeste slashes his throat. We're like, Oh, well, you know, they've survived. Everybody's free. 
And that's mm-hmm. when Thomas stumbles in, which... Oops. I, I mean, he must be desperate. And now he's crazy. Mm-hmm. This uh. is what... Yeah. I mean, he's he's dying, actively dying from being stabbed pretty much, right? And yeah. hasn't, like, totally cast off Celeste years ago. Apparently feels bad enough about it to come and try to save her. But the fact that he sees these two women, like, caring for each other and having romantic feelings, like... He'd already given up. I mean, maybe he had feelings for Delilah and that's what he's pissed about or something. But it's like, don't you have bigger things to attend to with your son yeah. at home with you just being stabbed? But no, yeah. he like goes absolutely off. And we, this ends up being a whole message as well about, you know, and the anti-gay vibe at the time, which I mean, again, very historically accurate. It just felt like, mm-hmm. the, you know, I don't know. It just felt like a lot was crammed in here. Um mm-hmm. I think I wrote my notes like, why is he being such an asshole after being stabbed? Yeah. He should probably just die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Thomas reveal like, basically talks about how screwed up Edward is and he blames it on Celeste for, I guess, being gay. Not because of anything else, but because she's gay. Yeah. And then in this weird rage, he guts Delilah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he tries to slash and he gets her yeah, in the stomach, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and Celeste slams him with a shovel. And in her last words, Delilah tells Celeste to to take the word of the inoculation to the ends of the earth. It's a big <laughs> mission. So Celeste sets the barn on fire, takes Cammy the cow with her to keep, you know, giving off mm-hmm. cowpox milk. Uh, <laughs> I think at this point I said, like, how is her arm functional to do any of this? But yeah. So Celeste returns to the Brown residence, runs in depth, hug Edward immediately without even, you know, poor Edward hasn't seen her in ever um, he doesn't even know who she is really like he was a baby yeah runs in hugs this kid says hi it's me you're your, your, your mother <laughs> uh he appears to be like carving meat at this time isn't he like carving up some meat at the table or something he's doing something he's yeah something because he has a knife a heart maybe and, I, and I I, I, as soon as i saw him with a knife i was like oh he's totally gonna stab her uh i mean mm-hmm. to, to you know be fair she did come on a little too strong she makes this plea <laughs> that they're gonna run off and save the world they hug, and then as they're hugging, he stabs her and brings back that whole line from Pastor Walter that a milkmaid is forever unclean. I think at this point I actually chuckled because it just seemed, I don't know, it seems corny maybe. Um, and then he exhumes her heart and he eats it. So it's hard to believe that this is the same Edward that's going to go and create the cowpox, smallpox vaccine coming up. Um, yep. Man, uh Reflecting on this episode, I think, you know, in an email to us, Bryce said as much, but this episode was was not especially subtle. We already called that out at the beginning, but it just had so many themes. It felt like there was so much crammed into it, and it felt like, in that regard, I wish we'd had a little bit more focus. Mm-hmm. Um, while I appreciate, you know, wanting to have the kind of message about, you know, the kind of anti-gay sentiment at the time, it felt like that detracted for me, especially from the broader, like religion versus science message, yeah. that was kind of the thematic core of this episode. You know, I get. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Like, did did they need to be gay? No. Did they add another layer to it? Sure. Um, I don't know if it was successful. I would say, but right. I it was kind of like I, I feel like it's from... too big of a topic to just throw it in there like that, and then have one character flip his switch when he sees that, that they're in a relationship. That's exactly you know? right. Is and this is where I felt bad for Cody Fern having to be Thomas. It's like you're all of a sudden this is something your character is like the most passion we've seen from your character for this yeah. whole episode after 
your wife died and oh, you talk about locking yeah. your, you know. He has that line, I think, that they tried to use to prepare for this earlier on that was like, you know, your first child dies, you grieve. Your second child dies, you grieve less. Your wife dies, I don't feel anything anymore. But this apparently makes him feel so much, which seems so just so unfounded. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What's, I mean, what's, where do you put this? I, I came into this discussion with you thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to rate this episode. I want to see how I talk about it with you. That's, I did the same thing. Uh, and I think I landed at three out of five. Uh, it wasn't awful. It wasn't great. At the beginning, I think, set up some interesting stuff. I agree that I think it bit off a little too many topics uh, or just brought up some concepts that, you know, even and not necessarily just themes like like we talked about, like witchcraft was brought up, but didn't have anything to do with it. Um, um, zombies were brought up, but ended up nothing going there. And that's fine that you know, we don't have to have those references if we're not going to go there. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think one thing I had to mention is I believe the costuming felt a little community theater esque. It just seemed, seemed too clean and like they pulled it out of the costume closet and, you know, steamed it and it looked just too crisp and clean <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, the dialogue was awkward. Um, it didn't feel authentic and it doesn't need to be like incredibly authentic. Um, but specifically Delilah talking with such scientific yes. deft mm-hmm. <laughs> and being so progressive, like, and the woman barging in at the church, like that would never really happen. Cause the, back then women didn't do that. And again, not that we can't have this, you know, fictional world where things are a little bit different, but it, it kind of took me out of it. Uh, the story here and there. Yeah. It definitely felt like the dialogue at certain points, especially related to Delilah. It was like, Focused on the solidity of the soil, and I, like, what? I know it was. It, no. it felt like well, the audience needs to have this back, like you know, this background information. So we just need the character to say it out loud. It was like, yeah, I wish there had been a, a more, I don't know, a more well woven in way to approach that. Um, but I totally agree with you on all those fronts. I feel like there's parts of this story that could have just been more focused and cut cut out that would have made this better. Um, I will say that I enjoyed the um, the performance of the gross and horrible pastor was probably the best performance in this episode, I think, from an acting perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he was a terrible character, like you believed that he was terrible and you disliked him for that. I think to your point, kind of the over-the-topness felt appropriate for the period and everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. He brought it. He was he was in the campy American horror story that we kind of come to expect. Yeah, I could almost see this. I, I could see this guy coming back from more American horror story in one fashion or another. So let's keep an eye out mm-hmm. for him. Um, he makes a good villain, I'll, I'll say. So that was appropriate. But uh, overall, this episode just had too much going on. Um, I wish we'd had like more with you know the, all the townspeople getting smallpox and really seeing the payoff of that. I wish we'd focused on that instead of doing the whole Thomas gets turns on a dime to get yeah. mad and you know you know. Ca- kills Delilah situation. So I don't know. I, I think how many bloody pints of cowpox milk do you get? So I'd written bursting pustules. Emma, oh. Emma, Emma <laughs> via um, email recommended barf bags, but I feel like we got to keep it in the period. Uh, it, this, this definitely deserved barf bags. And I will reiterate that like this kind of gross out horror is not my preferred genre of horror. Right. Um, so but they were successful in it, they, making it gross. I, I know. So that's why I'm like trying to bridge that is like, that's just my personal bias, but like if somebody was really into that kind of horror, I could see it. So I'm going to give it three and a quarter. Okay. Um, I like it was fun that it was a period piece. I like 
I liked that they were covering smallpox. Like that was interesting. Yeah, I felt like there's a way this episode could have been done in like a way that was that was really good and interesting. And I just felt it was a little bit too um, explicit, not subtle enough in that way. And the story, there was too many things woven in that didn't need to be. I would just wish for, you know, this is one episode. That's the whole idea of American Horror Stories is anthology series. Each episode is its own cohesive story. Let's keep it more focused. And I feel like the ones that do that really well, like Dollhouse, like Ara, Mm -hmm. um, end up being really great, right? It reminds me also, like, you know, if this episode had stopped even before killing Celeste, like, just leave the kid, like, kind of creepy, like, we could see the wheels turning that he is creepy instead of him killing her and eating her heart at the end. It's just like, Aura, like, why did we have to see who was on the, that her ex-husband who's dead had come back on the other side of that? Why don't we just have the motion sensor go off? Like, leaving it there, it leaves that creepy um, feeling as opposed to, like, a finality to, well, the kid's evil. Like, that happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, it, it, this made this made me want to go back and watch the the witch, the Vivitch, Ooh, yeah, yeah, which is a really good period piece. Uh, did, did we mention that movie. last episode too? I think we did. I think we, we did. Talked yeah. about Anna Taylor Joy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So good, classic. Uh, anyway, you know, I think that that gives this episode six and a quarter. I think that puts us. I mean, it was certainly better than Drive. We should say that right up front. It was way better Absolutely. than Drive. Absolutely. And so I think this puts us in third position for this season, um, as far as you know how they play out. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's a step up. I think it c- could have done better. I'll be curious to yeah. see what happens uh, next week, but that's where we're at. I'm curious to hear everybody else's thoughts. If there's any people who are really into like body kind of this, like, you know, <laughs> this kind of horror, I'd be curious. I mean, be curious to hear your takes on it. Cause maybe this was really successful. I mean, that bone breaking, Oh, <sighs> got to get that out of my mind. <laughs> Chris, where can people find you between now and next week? I'll be on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Uh, where will you be, Tyler? You can find me on both those platforms as well at TJMoss11. And, uh, you know, as always, you can reach out to us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com with any thoughts, theories, and questions, or you can message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Thanks so much for joining us for our review of uh, Milkmaids. And uh, we are excited to see you again next week for another episode of American Horror Stories. Until then, happy hunting.